a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Inside Sources with Boyd Matheson. Whether it's online or at the dinner table, our political conversations are uh, not in a happy spot for far too many of us these days. And why is that? What's the downside of that? And what can we do to be better at debating these ideas and uh, just end all this tribal nonsense and have some real discussions? Uh, Steve Greenhud uh, is a resident senior fellow at uh, Western, excuse me, and Western Region Director for State Affairs at the R Street Institute, uh, where he oversees efforts in the Western states, like the good state of Utah here today. And uh, Stephen, uh, as as you've had some of these conversations, uh, I love the fact that you use the uh, the term in your piece today, uh, balls and strikes. Uh, we always talk about what we need is a, a balls and strikes brigade. Uh, but tell us some of the uh, things you've been experiencing yourself. Uh, as a libertarian philosophy-driven dr- person, uh, how have your conversations been going? Yeah, well, I've been a, you know, I've written uh, this newspaper column for the Orange County Register for 20-some years now, uh, off and on, mostly on. And, uh, yeah, I just find that the whole debate, it's not like there was any great time in the past where everybody rationally sat around and discussed things. That was never true, and there were always angry people and and yelling and shouting. But I've just found uh, in the last few years that everyone just picks a side, right? I mean, so the discussions, uh, like I did one column uh, that during during the Trump administration that was generally fa- was favorable to some Trump policy, but I had one word of criticism about him, and then I got I got all these emails, people calling me uh, all sorts of names, and and you know, so so one week as a libertarian, so one week my column will. You know, we'll, we'll, we'll seem kind of we'll seem conservative, right? As a libertarian, we support limited government, but we support it across the board. And then the next week, it'll you know, when I support like police reforms and it'll seem kind of liberal. So the one week I'm, I'm uh, you know, I'm, uh, I'm it seems like the same readers can't seem to follow uh, my consistency of thought. So I, I, I don't know. I just feel like we're not people are not discussing issues uh, and analyzing them. Uh, in the same way uh, yeah. as we should. You know, there's just a lot of, we pick a side, if the Republicans are for it, we're for it, or, or against it, or whatever. And it's getting extremely frustrated. Probably deals a lot with the fact that so many people spend so much time on social media, right? Yeah. Yeah, and I think uh, so much of that Team Red, Team Blue kind of philosophy where you, you just can't even accept anything uh, that, you know, that isn't in that space. Uh, and, of course, we've seen that uh, flip sides on a, a number of issues uh, like funding the government and debt ceiling increases and all of those kinds of things where it just goes back and forth. And if if your team's in charge, then you look at it one way. If the other team's in charge, then uh, then you got to go at it another way. Uh, and so how do we start having 
that different kind of conversation, uh, again, past the, the talking points, uh, because that, we, we like to be equal opportunity offenders on this show. And so we'll, <laughs> we'll do li- like you do, and, and we'll call out the left and we'll call out the right. We'll call out uh, anything that doesn't seem to add up or make sense. Uh, but how do we make that a better, more productive conversation? And uh, and I actually ag- agree with you in terms of there's always been political debate. Uh, that's also part of our history. Uh, but I think we can do it just a little bit better. Oh, yeah, we can do it a lot better. I mean, I think that I, I, it's hard It's hard to know. There's no, like, easy button, no huge solution that we could point to, except individually, you know, striving to maybe think about things outside of that 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 tribal box right i mean uh and and then striving to be at least a little bit consistent i mean we all know the republicans who scream about deficits and the federal debt and then once they're in charge all of a sudden i mean i remember there were members of the last administration who claimed well deficits don't matter and now they're all screaming about it again and the democrats are vice versa right it's same thing we know like on this inflation debate um the, the same folks now, uh, mostly Democrats, who are saying, oh, inflation's no big deal. They would be screaming if it were happening under a Republican administration. So I guess I would argue that as individuals, we could maybe at least strive to, to, to consider ideas outside of an ideological box or a partisan box. And two, you know, try to have some consistent principles that you just apply whoever's to whomever is in charge, yeah. which is what, you know, I try to do imperfectly, but that's what I try to do. I mean, I get a hard time for taking the same position I've taken for the last 30 years on things. And um, I, I don't know who said it, but, you know, if, if you stick to the same position long enough, you'll eventually get uh, pride for treason or something. Yeah. <laughs> just, and the parties, you know, both parties are like this illogical conglomeration of ideas and interests, right? It's not like both sides. I mean, the, the Republicans have some kind of points of view and the Democrats have some kind of points of view, but, uh, it's really a mishmash. They're, they're not very consistent in their thinking. So the idea that the one side is always going to be right and the other side is always going to be wrong is, is absurd. Yeah, and I, I think it's so important that we get to this idea of of you know going beyond kind of politicians and personalities, and then we can actually get to policy, and then from policy we can get to some principles. Uh, and, of course, ultimately we should be focusing on the people component to that. Uh, but in in going down that line, uh, as you said, Stephen, if we're if we're really focusing on the the principle of something and and a policy proposal, then you can look at it in an objective way, and you can actually be curious. Uh, I I've been on this kick lately. I'd love your take on this, Stephen. Uh, that I think one of the biggest threats to the country is actually in within our little bubbles. Uh, we're actually losing curiosity, and if we if we lose our curiosity. Uh, then we're then we're really going to go tribal, uh, and then things are really going to get worse. Oh yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I like that point because yeah, one of the things I think about is um, you know I'm I'm a, I'm a writer and I work for a think tank, so obviously I like I'm a policy geek, not a, a, a political geek, but I like policy. So when I'm confronted with cognitive dissonance, right? I'm confronted uh, with an idea that doesn't quite fit in my bun- current bundle of ideas. I find it kind of an interesting challenge. Yeah. And and increasingly, I find people, when they're confronted with an idea that conflicts with their partisan loyalties, they just scream more loudly. <laughs> and and I don't know. I, I mean, no, none of us know everything. So it's kind of fun to think, hmm, you know, I believe in limited government. But I could think of some instances 
where, you know, sometimes sometimes uh, limited government isn't working, right? And it's kind yeah. of fun to think through those things. And, and anyone who does that, even if I disagree with them on a lot of stuff, they're kind of fun people to talk about. Yeah. And people, you know, is it, it was Mencken who said what the, 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 the sure man is always dull and the dull man is always sure or yeah. something like that, you know. <laughs> yeah. So, so let's not be dull. Let's not yeah, we don't want be that. so sure. Of our, yeah, and everyone on Facebook seems to be so sure of themselves about everything. Oh, yeah, know? and the thing I love most about that is that, you know, that when there's that instant certainty, you know, as soon as you read that headline, you're instantly certain on whatever that is, and you're so convinced of it right up to the point you're proven wrong, and then you're equally certain with whatever you post next. Oh, oh yeah, and everybody now, you know, Everyone now is a, uh, a epidemiologist, you yes. know, and, and, and everybody is a uh, expert on on these sorts of things. Um, and, yeah, it's, it's really it's really frustrating. Um, and, and uh, yeah, I, I was having this this online this, this uh, Facebook discussion with somebody and and I had just brought up uh, it was about eminent domain and I had brought up. Uh, you know, that I had written a book about it, you know, 20 years ago, not to say, oh, I'm some, but then I thought about it. I've researched it a lot. And, and so, so I knew about the topic better than this other person who I was arguing against. So then their next response was, yeah, well, how many books did you sell? <laughs> oh, okay. There you go. So, so never, never mind all the research. How many did yeah, you no, sell? It's all just, right, but I mean, it's all just everything just devolves into ad hominem, yeah, and, and almost schoolyard taunting. And and um, it's crazy, right? And and that's what we have to get away with, from. We do. And the, the and it's good that you have a show that does this. Cause, you know, a lot of talk radio shows, uh, they just it's just kind of the echo chamber or yeah. the or the amen choir or whatever you. Yeah. Call it. Well, Stephen, we appreciate you being curious with us and uh, being willing to be surprised, uh, and for calling balls and strikes. Uh, Stephen Greenhut, resident fellow with the R Street Institute. Great writer, great thinker, and uh, helped all of us to not be dull today. Be curious, uh, and let's be smart. Stay with us. Much more to come on Inside Sources. I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.